Jesus, you're my hope and stay. And when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. Jesus, you're my hope and stay. Yes, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. And every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness, oh God. How I need you, yes, Lord, I need you, oh, I need you, and every hour I need you, my one defense, my righteousness, oh, God, how I need My one defense, my righteousness, oh God, how I need you. sing this together all to Jesus. All to Jesus I surrender all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence day
life and breathe on this heart that is now yours. And oh, the joy I found surrendering my crowns at the feet of the who surrendered everything and know oh, the peace that comes when I'm broken and undone by your unfailing grace I can lift my voice and say, and you can have it all, Lord, every part of my world, take this life and breathe on this heart that is now yours.
Thank you for this morning. And that's our prayer as we continue to praise you and ask that you would lead us in our lives. As we gather as your church and as we go out into the world, and we pray that specifically for Samuel as we lift him up this morning. We thank you for his life and the life you've called him to live. It's your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you all very much for, for that time of worship. Um, at this time, um, we are really blessed to have Samuel's father, Ed Green. This is the first ordination I've ever been at where the father was able to give the ordination sermon for the son. So um, one thing on this note, though, Samuel put in here, short sermon. Um, don't follow that. Preach whatever you want to. Will you welcome Ed Green, please?
good now? There we go. All right. All right. Yeah, Samuel uh, texted me a, a little while ago, and he said, uh, would, you, would you like to do this? And uh, I said, sure, I was, I'd be honored to do that. And, and he asked, or I asked, you know, how, to, how much time am I going to have? And he said, you know, 10 to 15 minutes, um, 15 tops. And I texted back to him. I said, okay, 45 it is. Um, because he knows me. But obviously we are, his mother Sally and I, and are very, very proud of him. Uh, we do, though, feel that there's, we failed in one area as a parent, as parents, uh, is that he is a Cardinals fan. And um, that's something that, uh, unfortunately, we just have to live with. And, but God has, uh, maybe he's got something in store for him as a Cardinals fan. I don't really know. Uh, maybe you're, you remember, or just in the past week, you've heard that uh, Morley Safer passed away. Morley Safer was the CBS journalist, uh, the host of um, 60 Minutes for, for many, many years. And uh, I, I picture something like this happening today. Uh, he's in heaven, and he's sitting down across the table from Jesus, interviewing him. And uh, something like this happens. You, you can hear the tick, tick, tick in the background, and, and Morley Safer opens with these words, he says, you once asked your disciples a question. Who do you say that I am? And he said, throughout all of human history, there's been great disagreement over the answer to that question. But Jesus, I'd like to ask you right now, who are you? If you could choose one image, one role that at its, at its very heart is, really defines who you, who you are, what would that be? And I can picture him thinking... Jesus uh, saying, well, there's a lot of things I could say, a lot of things I am. I'm, obviously, I'm the Son of God. I'm, I'm the promised Messiah, the Jewish people. I'm the Word of God made flesh. I am. But I think he would say something like this. I think at its very heart, Jesus would say, I'm a servant. He once said that. He says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And as you read the Gospels, every page of the Gospel is filled with those instances, those circumstances where Jesus is loving his Father and loving the people he's around. And he's a servant. And, and all of us in this room, you and I, we are all disciples of Jesus. And you know what a disciple is, don't you? It's a follower. A follower, a disciple is someone who follows an individual in order to become as much like that person as possible. So Jesus was a servant, and if we are his disciples, then we too must be servants. God has called us to that. That's his will for our lives. It's the very least, it's that. He loved and served his Father. We love and serve God. He loved people. He served people. We love and serve people. In fact, in his kingdom, Jesus defined greatness as serving other people. He said, if you want to be great, you must be a servant. You know, we gather together this morning to celebrate and recognize God's call in Samuel's life. Um, to ministry. To, to what we call full-time Christian ministry. But... We read in Scripture, read in Ephesians, that uh, Paul says that God calls individuals to leadership ministry, but he calls all of us to ministry. There's not one of us that's, that's accepted from that call. We're all to serve. 
Yes, he calls some to leadership, but all to ministry. So if we're sitting in these seats, we're to be servants. We're to be ministers. Maybe you've heard the old saying, it's been around for a long, long time, that you get into the ministry when you get out of the baptistry. That, that's, that's all of us. There's no exceptions to that. So as we celebrate Samuel's life, his call to ministry this morning, as we publicly witness that, I also invite us all to, as we, in a few moments, uh, repeat some things and hear Samuel repeat some things, make some promises. I invite you to make those promises as well. Because they're not just for him. He's the one to be standing up here. But we'll, just like when you go to a wedding and you hear the, the couple up front make those vows, if you're married, you're thinking the same thing toward your husband or your wife sitting next to you. You recite those things and you say, I'm making that same promise again. And that's what we get to do as we ordain Samuel this morning in the ministry. So I, just a few comments this morning um, as I think about some things I'd like to share. And uh, I, I, I spent some time this last week in, in the letter of 2 Corinthians in, uh, in the New Testament, Paul's letter. And it's a great resource for ministry. Uh, and I had kind of forgotten that for a while. So I, I, I ran a couple times this week getting ready for the 5K here that I ran yesterday. Woo! And, um, and I listened to 2 Corinthians that I was running a couple times this week. And I was reminded about how much good stuff is there that Paul has written to us and to those in ministry. See, Paul wrote the letter, uh, he was kind of in an awkward situation. He's having to defend himself because there's, uh, he's got um, people who are opposing him, people who are kind of making fun of him. Um, he's had to call out some people on some issues, and he's not very popular in some corners of the church there in Corinth, and he's to, having to defend himself, but he, he keeps going back and forth to defend himself and say, it's not about me, it's about you, it's about the Lord. And, and there's a lot of good stuff in 2 Corinthians. So this morning, just for a few moments, I want to center my comments on two words, two concepts, or two, two little words, but they're huge. The words are this, grace and glory. Grace and glory. And if you want to put what I'm going to say, everything in a nice little package, it's this, our life and ministry flow in the grace of God and overflow to the glory of God. Let me say that again. Our life and ministry flow in the grace of God and overflow to the glory of God. So let's take a look at the first part real quick. Our life and ministry flow in the grace of God. You know, many of us here have been in church most of our lives, and we, we know what grace means, don't we? We could define it. It's, it's God's undeserved or unmerited favor toward us, and, and that is exactly right. That is so true, but that's such a shallow definition for such a hugely significant, wonderful, scriptural truth. It's so much more than that. For, for the Apostle Paul, who wrote 2 Corinthians, grace meant everything to him. It was the key that unlocked the mystery of what God was up to in the world. You know, as you read the New Testament, every letter he starts with, grace and peace to you from the Father and the Son. And he closes most of his letters the same way. Grace was so important to him. So if grace isn't merely this undeserved favor, it's something more than that, what is it? See, we, many times we, we equate God's grace with forgiveness of sins. 
And it is that, it includes that, but it's so much more than that. I like the way Dallas Willard talks about grace. He, he not only defines it, but he describes grace as the very presence of God in action, enabling us to do what we couldn't do on our own. That's what grace is. God's showing up and doing what only he can do, enabling us to participate with him in whatever he wants us to do. God's grace always comes first. It's, I was trying to think of an image, and it's, it's almost like this. I think about that, the flowing idea that, that our life and ministry flow in the grace of God. It flows from grace, because grace always comes first. But there's also this sense in which it's like we, we're jumping into this already running river of grace. We're jumping in, and we're being carried along in this current. We're immersed in grace. We're saturated with grace, and everything that we do drips with grace. Samuel, in ministry, it's got to be that way for you. It's got to be that way for us, that everything we do drips with God's grace, with his presence and power doing in us what we couldn't do on our own. It isn't simply the relationship we have with God, because we wouldn't have that without grace, but it's, it's actually whatever we want to do for God, it's got to be in grace. It's got to be. In 2 Corinthians, Paul writes over and over again about God's grace. And one of the things that stands out to me, thinking about this, about ministry and grace, is this. He says that God has made us competent. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. He's made us fit. He's made us able to serve. Now, if you know Samuel, you know he's kind of a, a sci-fi guy. Um, loves movies, loves science fiction. Um, one of my great joys as a father that he loves Star Wars. And, um, but uh, um, I want to reflect on one bit of wisdom that Yoda offers. Um, Yoda, uh, he says this as he's speaking to Luke. He says, a Jedi's strength flows from the force. I want to suggest to you that the Christian's ministry flows in grace. Again, Dallas Willard says this, the Christian burns grace like a 747 burns fuel on takeoff. The Christian, the saint, burns grace like a 747 burns fuel on takeoff. See, again, grace isn't just for the front end of things when we come to the faith. It's for every day after. And I don't know about you, I wake up every morning and think, my goodness, I, I still have so far to go, so much I want to become, so much God wants to do in my life, and I have no idea how, much, how it's going to happen. I need grace. You need grace. Whatever I want to do for God, I need His grace. I need Him to show up and help me to do it. Again, in 2 Corinthians, Paul calls us God's co-workers. And we should not receive God's grace in vain. Because when we're, when we're involved in ministry, there's always going to be a temptation to rely on Samuel. There's always going to be a temptation to rely on your own strengths, on your own abilities, on the, the wisdom that God has graced you with. That's a temptation that you've got to fight. God has gifted you those things, but if you rely too much on those, God will get lost in the shuffle. You'll end up playing to the crowds. 
you'll end up listening for the applause of men and not the applause of God. That's about grace. So a second part. If our life and ministry flows in the grace of God, it overflows to the glory of God. The glory of God. I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear that phrase or that word glory. And I've got to admit to you right up front, I've, I'm not sure I have a handle on what that means. So as I read all throughout Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, I hear this concept and we witness things where this glory of God is described. And I think about reading you know, the Old Testament. Think about how um, the, the Shekinah, the, the cloud of glory, descends on the tabernacle, on the temple. And, and it, it amazes people. They can't even walk in, the, walk in the place because of this glory and presence of God. I think of light. I think of splendor. I think of majesty. All these great, big, huge words. But at its very heart, glory is this. It is what belongs to God and God alone. His greatness, His power, His reputation. What belongs to God alone and those things and those people He comes in contact with. Think about about Moses, who would speak to God as one speaks with a friend. He would go into the tent of meeting and he would meet with God. And remember what it was like when he would leave the tent? His face would glow. Think Charlton Heston with white hair, okay? His face glows. He once asked God, he said, Lord, show me your glory. And God said, okay, here's the deal. If I do that, you wouldn't live. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have my glory, put you right here in the rock, right on the rock on the mountain, and I'm going to go by in front of you, my glory and everything, and I'm going to cover your eyes as I go by. And after I'm by, I'll take my hand away, my hand away, and you'll get to see the after effects. Man, I want to, I would have liked to have been there. God's glory. Remember Isaiah chapter 6? I saw the Lord high and lifted up on his throne, train filling the temple, all this kind of stuff. Cherubims and seraphims flying all over the place. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And Isaiah, as he recognizes he has no place in the midst of this glorious presence, he falls flat on his face and cries out, Woe is me. I am a person of un- I'm a man of unclean lips among a people of unclean lips. I don't long here. So one of the angels gets a coal from the, the altar and comes and touches his lips and says, your sin is taken away. And then a voice is heard in heaven. Who will go for me? And Isaiah stands up and says, I'll go. And his life was never the same because he came in contact with the glory of God. Remember Jesus. John wrote, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory of the one and only sent from the Father. See, everything we get to do for God, everything and anything we get to do for God adds to his glory, to his goodness, to his reputation. Because remember, it's all about grace. It's him working in us and through us anyway. It all goes back to God, to his glory. Remember what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount? He said, you are the light of the world. You are are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they set it on its stand and it gives light to everybody in the house. And then Jesus says this, in the same way, let your light shine before others 
so that they may see your good deeds and what? Glorify your Father who is in heaven. So Samuel, think about ministry. Who's going to get the glory? Who gets the glory when we serve others? Because it's awful easy to fall into the trap of, again, getting the good stuff. Because God has invited us to participate with us in the wonderful ministry of bringing the kingdom to earth, the ministry of reconciliation. Think about it, what Paul writes. We are jars of clay holding great treasure. We, are, we believe in God. We believe that he will judge everyone. So we, persu- we persuade men. We are compelled by the love of Christ to do that. We are part of this new creation that he's bringing about. God has given us the ministry of reconciliation, and Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, we ourselves are Christ's ambassadors. But it's always going to be a temptation to take the glory and not give it to him. So I invite you, Samuel, I ask you, I encourage you, I pray that you will remain grounded. Again, Paul writes, such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are confident in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our confidence comes from God. And I guess I want to hold up for you the model of John the Baptist. Remember in the the Gospel of of, uh, John. The disciples of John hear that Jesus is making more disciples and baptizing more people. And they come to John kind of complaining. And John says, you know what, I'm okay with that. This is what he says. He says, he, Jesus, must become greater. I must become less. You know what happens when we focus on the glory of God? His goodness, his grace, his reputation. This is what Paul writes. We all, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory. We're being transformed into his image. We become more and more like Jesus with ever-increasing glory. Remember, God shows up in us brings about in us that we can't bring about on our own, ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So if we're in this river of grace, it's leading somewhere, and that river is leading to the very glory of God. Our life and ministry, Samuel, your life, your ministry, must flow in the grace of God, and I know and trust and pray that it will ultimately overflow to the glory of God. So I want to close with this benediction from, from Paul. His closing words in 2 Corinthians. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, Samuel, be with you and be with us all. Okay, Samuel, I'm going to have you come on up, and I'm going to have you stand on the landing. And you're going to be microphone number three. Just a moment, we're going to have a uh, responsive reading charge, and I will serve as the leader. Samuel is obviously the candidate, and there will be words for, uh, for the congregation as well. Samuel, before that... Um, As part of the charge, I would like to read for you the words that the Apostle Paul wrote to his young son in the faith, Timothy, um, in 2 Timothy 4. He said, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, 
who will judge the living and the dead. And in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. When I was your age, my senior minister sent me on a trip. He said, I want you to go visit with some seasoned youth ministers and learn the world of youth ministry. And so I drove several different places. And um, the opening salvo from one of the youth ministers has stuck with me all of my life. He said, ministry would really be great if it weren't for the people. And um, wow, okay. Um, that, that was not what I was expecting to hear, but there really is a lot of truth in that. I appreciate so much the words that your father shared with you today. Um, lean so much on the glory of God. Paul says, preach the word. Paul says, be prepared. Paul says, remember to keep the main thing, the main thing. And, and at the end, Paul says, keep your head. Don't allow the, the difficulties, the hardships that you will face. And, and we face them. We really do. Keep your eyes focused on what really matters. So at this time, could we go ahead and put the uh, responsive reading up on the screen, please? And again, I will serve as leader, and where it says congregation, just uh, read along with me. Lift up your eyes and look on the fields. They are white for harvest. Already he who reaps is receiving wages. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? I have heard the call of Christ and the words of Isaiah. I respond, Here am I, send me. Have you Samuel Green? prayerfully considered the responsibility of living and sharing the gospel? And have you weighed the work involved and the sacrifices you may be called upon to make? I have. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that the Holy Scriptures are the Word of God to make us wise unto salvation through faith in Him? I do, with all my heart. Are you motivated not out of a desire for position or earthly gain, but by the love of God and of your fellow men and the wish to glorify him and save them? I am. Will you strive to build up the church, the body of Christ, to prepare God's people for works of service, to labor for the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God? I will, as God gives me strength. Will you endeavor to live a life of love within your family and in the community and so draw others to Christ through your example as well as your word? I will make it the purpose of my life to live for Jesus Christ, and I ask for your prayers and the prayers of this church to help me in this ministry. All right, we're back to the congregation. 
Are you satisfied that Samuel Green will be a worthy minister and representative of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you willing that Samuel Green should be ordained to Christian ministry? Okay, so at this time, I would like the elders of FCC to make their way to the stage. Mark, I'd like you to come up. Ed, I'd like you to come up. And I'm going to take your microphone here, and I'm going to ask you to kneel down and to face uh, the congregation. And I have asked Russ Utterback, chairman of our elders, to begin our time of prayer. And then Nate Bostick will pray. And then Tim Winthy is going to offer the final prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we've gathered here at this special time in, our, in Samuel's life and, and all the loved ones and the congregation that we may lift him up to you. We know that the Holy Spirit is with us this morning. We can feel that Holy Spirit. Now, he has chosen to walk the path of ministry. We are thankful for that. We walk with him. We know that he and Mackenzie will be a blessing to your word and that Jesus will be their guide, their strength, and their teaching. We just ask that you continue to guide him to bring those to Christ that he may encounter in his love. God, we thank you for Samuel. Uh, we thank you for this moment to where he can be uh, devoted to ministry. We thank you that we can be here as a church to come alongside him, to nurture him in faith and in spirit. Uh, we thank you for the work that he's already done. Uh, we pray for your provision as he moves forward in ministry. Uh, we just ask that your grace and glory uh, would be abundant in his life, God. We thank you for the foundation that his family and parents have, have given him. We thank you for the foundation that LCU has given him. And we just trust you, God, that that foundation uh, will set him apart through his life and through his ministry. But ultimately, God, that you would be blessed because of it. And we just pray that there are no distractions of this world that will cause Samuel to lose focus that you, God, will prevail in all situations and he can keep his eyes and his, his trust and his hope uh, in you, Jesus, and not let things of this world come in between any of that, God. And we just pray that Christian brothers and sisters would lift him up and redirect him and help to refocus him uh, in his life and in his ministry. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time that we can lift you up, and we thank you for Samuel's willingness to step forward boldly for you, Father, a man who's committed and dedicated to you. I just pray that you open the doors for him to boldly step through and to reach out to, to reach anyone in need, anyone that you put in his path, and just I pray that you go before him, give him your provision, your protection, your guidance. In all that he do, I pray that your name be glorified, you be lifted up. And then I just pray that whatever may face them, he and Mackenzie, I just pray that you would just give them a peace and a calm and to know that it's all about you and it's not about them. And I just pray that you just would give them 
total focus upon you, glorifying and honoring your name. And I pray as a congregation that we do whatever we can to, to strengthen and encourage him on his path. It's all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, how about we give uh, these guys a hand, Samuel a hand? Absolutely. God bless you, brother. Now, I've asked Samuel just to kind of close our time together with a few words. Really, um, all, all that I have to say is, um, could be summed up with the words, thank you. Um, I've, I've written up something for the, the K for next month, so this is um, part, of, part of that. But um, I'm an incredibly grateful, I'm incredibly grateful for the opportunity to serve here at First Christian Church. I'm thankful for the faith and support of Greg and the rest of the staff um, to the eldership. To the many friends I have uh, who I've made here who are walking alongside me, I'm grateful to my family, for my parents, um, Ed and Sally, to my sister Anna, um, as well as uh, my grandparents who are here and my friends who, um, who are so talented to lead worship this morning. Uh, for without them, I would not be who I am now in character or in the faith. I'm grateful to the congregation of FCC for your belief in me, uh, for giving me the chance to live out my calling, um, even though I'm young and straight out of Bible college. I'm exceedingly grateful uh, to my wife, Mackenzie. Um, after an amazing first year of marriage, uh, actually tomorrow is our one year, so that's exciting, and we're excited. Uh, she's my rock. I, I love her so much. Um, most of all, I'm just thankful to uh, the Lord Jesus, um, who, whether I knew it or not, has always walked with me. Um, even when I haven't recognized him in the different seasons of life. It's, it's by his power and authority um, that I strive to lead and serve and by his sacrifice uh, um, and love that I live. I'm thankful uh, for this life and this opportunity, uh, and I'm just thankful for each and every one of you uh, for your support. Uh, yeah, thank you so much. Will you stand up, please? Just a reminder, we'd love to have you stay for second service. There will be a reception to honor Samuel and Mackenzie following second service. Thank you, Ed, for your words. Thank you, worship team, wherever you are. I don't know where you're at, but thank you for all that you did. And uh, thank you for being here today. And please continue to pray for Samuel and Mackenzie as Samuel continues in ministry. He's doing some great things. The Wednesday night class has been awesome. Prayer walk tonight will be incredible. Let, let's close with a word of prayer. God, thank you for today. Thank you for this hour of, uh, of setting apart. And I just thank you so much for the words that, uh, that Ed shared with us. And I pray that, that we can all be people that minister uh, in your grace and we overflow to your glory. And just help us to never settle for anything less. We thank you for Jesus and the hope that he brings us. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.